Welcome to The Event Brew, where event professionals from different backgrounds talk about the latest, most controversial, and interesting topics dominating the minds of the industry right now. This is a candid conversation, the likes of which can only otherwise be found late at night in host hotel lobby bars during industry conferences. So relax and drop in on what event pros really say when no one else is around. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event management company that tells you how it really is. Now, let's brew something up. Hello, event professionals. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you're calling in from, wherever you're listening to us from. Uh, we are hanging with the Event Brew Crew, and we are excited to be talking all things backstage events. Woo! I'm not even, Woo. like, that excited about my beverage, though. Oh, how can you not be excited about your beverage? D- well, what are you drinking? I'm drinking ah, beer. Good. I love... So, Ariana, you have not had to endure all the trashy crappy beer that i drink so today i'm drinking a bud light <laughs> Ooh, started off left, with a classic where do you go from is, there <laughs> which is left over from my 48 pack of bud light that i put in my oh. house during stampede week here in calgary well and that's a this good is the 48th beer but it did take me six months to drink it so oh does that make it better <laughs> it's it a like half year old bud like light. i think it aged well actually it's uh it's it's definitely uh i bet you it doesn't age feeling like Very a fine good. wine all of a sudden by like beer definitely expires. I learned that by like having so many it house does. parties and not ever drinking beer, and yeah. then like a year later, people would be like, "Oh, I'll open this beer," and be like, "What the heck, Will?" Yeah, you'd be sitting on the can for a while if you uh, had some two-year-old beer. Yeah, don't do that. <sighs> Nick, what flavor of Mountain Dew are you rocking today? Uh, the most current flavor uh, of the hour is Live Wire. It's been a while since I've had the classic Ooh. Live Wire, uh, the orange uh, one. Really excited for whatever spring uh, is going to give us as far as our spring varietal. Uh, the the I'm winter excited with, for you. Uh, yeah, the the uh, was that the cake, uh, the fruit cake uh, was mm. December. I follow a, a a website that keeps track of. Uh, Food, uh, it's actually junk food trends called Snack Locator, and uh, they already know the 2023 December Mountain Dew is going to be candy cane flavored Mountain Dew. So everything is leading up to candy that candy cane flavored Mountain Dew. Yeah, so I, can't I want to vomit a little bit right now. Yeah. Um. Have you ever just eaten a mint? And Mountain Dew could do that soda too. Soda pop. That's what that would taste like, or like some pop after brushing your teeth. That's, that's, <laughs> that's yeah, I mean. Do you remember, well, well, when we were in Columbus for PCMA Convening Leaders, I was drinking uh, some kind of alcoholic drink, except it had a, a bomb pop. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, popsicle yeah. inside of it. Popsicle. So, like, I'm, I'm up for, I'm up for yeah, sugar however I can get it. Wow, you two just went all out. Yeah, really, uh, really went crazy. <laughs> we, do- we went to a fine dining. hot dogs. A, do- a dozen of us went to a hot dog place and then uh, followed it up by an arcade. So we're actual adults. Uh, yes. Asterisk. <laughs> Uh, Anyways, he's doing something uh, better. My adult beverage of the day is a chai latte, David Rio chai, and some Oatly oat milk Mm. as well. I'm going to make another one right after this, too, because it's so damn good. Sing Kumbaya later. Dear Oatly, you can contact us if you'd like to sponsor this podcast. I don't think they have money. I think they're, like, not doing too well right now. (laughs) Really? Why? I think they're doing okay. Like, you know, they got to stay, but they... they, uh, I'm just sad because I 
put money in their stock and I thought it was going to be like the next big thing. He has to worm his way into um, telling everybody that for legal reasons. Uh, every time yeah, he talks about the shareholder on the call. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Huh. Mexico, <laughs> unfortunately, it doesn't do anything for me. Uh, they should. They really should. We should start a yeah. campaign. Does anybody sponsor use my anymore? tombstone? I've been gone a while. You know, like pay for my tombstone. Like it's oh, gonna would be great. contribute to getting me there. You know, brought to you oh, by yeah. PepsiCo. Like would be a good granite, a granite Mountain Dew bottle. Tombstone. <laughs> yeah. We'll place the flowers on the top. For I can sure. see it already. I'll draw it up for you. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to see that. So uh, I bet you Ariana's got more. better drink for sure than all of us. Yeah, yeah. Hey. She angled in with a better drink for sure, so it well, better I be d- good. I do have to represent, you know, as the elder millennial, like I feel like I need to carry forward the work of my people. So I'm drinking Suja Organic Cold Press Mighty Dozen, which is uh, the largest bottle that I could grab out of my fridge as I scooped between one meeting to the next. It was like, I need a big beverage. So I'm currently working on 59 fluid ounces of green. What is this drink? Like nine ounces. Well, so technically it's like glorified apple juice, right? If you like make apple juice green, it's healthy all of a sudden. But um, I can recognize all of the ingredients in it as actual foods. So it makes me feel pretty isn't good about that, myself. Isn't 59 I ounces cannot. like two liters? That's 64. Yes, um, but close. This is why they don't let me drink beer anymore, though, because I drink it out of this type of container as well. So <laughs> yeah, for, it's as a warm, commu- like you already. <laughs> Inhaling is optional, you know? Yikes. Well, uh, certainly there's a lot of diversity uh, within our choices. Uh, Maybe we'll actually end up talking about diversity later. Well, diversity is a great segue in. Uh, Today, we are talking about the end of the recovery period for the pandemic. Uh, Nick shared an article with us all, and we will link that in the show notes later. But looking at, um, have we recovered from... You know, have we truly rebounded to 2019? A lot of the numbers say that we have. And what did we learn? Um, How are we better prepared to go forward? And what does forward look like? You know, no big questions or anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been this ambiguous period for, you know, a couple years now of, uh, you know, having to do what you've got to do, right? Like every linen company was also sewing things together to make masks and entertainers were... Uh, you know, doing DJ sets for people's all hands meetings on virtual screens. And I I just saw every conceivable event professional do what they had to do to their business. Like I I used to do uh, amongst a bunch of other people. I know a bunch of uh, presentations around the idea of staying in your lane. And it was like this really like uh, principled position of like doing the thing that you're meant to do and, and, and doing it the way uh, is only your way and not uh, muddling it with other things. And I think that was the first thing that went out the window, you know, in March uh, of 2020, of just like do what you got to do to survive. Uh, and if we're at a place now where the numbers are actually better than 2019, one would argue that, you know, all of that um, negative, uh, I guess, like opposition to you being the best you can be is been removed and therefore everyone should be able to return to a place of specialization of hyper focus uh, of the things that they're meant to do and that uh, until another which I, I still think there's going to be another and some and just continued amounts of uh, disruption you know in different forms come into us but when we're not in the midst of a disruption um, what is our business who are we 
uh, and should we, you know, go back to the way things were? And then when we say go back to the way things were, there's a lot of unpacking there. Is it uh, back to the way things were in a positive way? And also, is there back to uh, a way things with lessons learned along the way? Uh, because this this podcast has certainly documented a lot of opportunities that this uh, pandemic has given us uh, in a ways to look at what we've done with a new set of eyes. So we we've made the analogy of using different muscles, uh, and now we're coming at it. We we haven't necessarily stopped using those muscles, but now we have a choice to either continue to, to you know do the same kind of uh, you know I don't know, to take the analogy further same kind of sets that we used to do prior to the pandemic or are we going to mix it up with the things that we did do uh, and are we going to be more complete um, and I'll let you guys answer that because I have a fairly pessimistic viewpoint on that no I'm shocked <laughs> well I think I think it's interesting you know we we the the, the pandemic lasted longer than we thought it was going to be, and it went away faster than we thought it was going to. So, well, in the beginning, we had these high hopes on this industry, learning learning lessons and taking the time to come back stronger. And I think they, you know, we can we can track back to Eventbrew episodes where we talk about that we want to have a better work life balance, that we want to involve technology and diversity and inclusion and accessibility more into our events. And then I think in a lot of ways, what happened is it came back so quickly that that did not become a priority for so many people. And it lasted so long that, that a lot a lot of our, our industry was in such a desperate position to just get back to work. And our I think yeah. our muscle memory took us back to exactly where we knew how to be successful, how to put money back in the bank, how to get employees back to work, how to get our clients fulfilled. That that I think I think we lost some of that, all of that that goodness that we were building and all of those lessons learned. I don't know that they got applied and I think, you know, representing a new year as we're now in twenty twenty three, I hope that we get the opportunity to look back a little bit and say, Remember that lofty goal I had where I wasn't gonna work seven days a week, sixteen hours a day? Like how did I get back to that so quickly and what can I do now that we feel a bit more stable? that we are not in this panic and not in the crisis anymore. How can I go back to those lessons and, and really start to apply them? Um, because I think, I think most people can agree that that, you know, I know, I know for me, maybe I'll only speak for myself, that business came back a lot faster and harder than I expected it to. I, 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 I anticipated that it was going to be big, but I didn't anticipate what we got. And I can, you know, say for a lot of the people that I work with is the exact same way. It was like drinking from a fire hose. And it, the, the best we could do was go back to what we knew. The question for me too, is like, will time heal all wounds and will like just over time, will we get to the point where we wanted to be at the end of the pandemic? Or, you know, is this something that, yeah, like we're just mu muscle memory as to your point. Mm -hmm. And trauma response too. I think, <clears throat> I think a lot of this is like, you know, they'll, I'm sure there'll be years and years of studies on what this did to, to us as professionals, what it did to us personally. And I think that, I think there's a lot of built up trauma and a lot of, a lot of shit that's buried in there that will keep us from going back to that. And I think that the safest, most comfortable place for us to be is the one we knew, which is, you know, 2019, 2020. Um, so it's, it's so much bigger than just than just the surface level of the way you do business as a professional like this this hit us in a very very different way and it is such a personal and such a such a mental mind fuck that we went through that um that it's going to be it's, it's going to be an interesting road for some and 
Um, and I think on that note too, I think it's, it'll be interesting to see how many people find their way back to us that have left this industry, um, in that, you know, in that same term. And, you know, was that trauma too much for them to come back and put trust in this industry to take care of them and their families again? What I've seen that in event apps. I'm sorry. in like event technology is the only place I'll just quickly say that I actually did see the boomerang of people who were event professionals that went to event technology, uh, as the port in the storm, who mm-hmm. are now going back. It, I'm doing a webinar tomorrow, actually, uh, with three three different people. We did an article about, uh, with North Star Meetings, it talked about, um, it was called like going to the dark side, and it was three of us who went from working with event professionals uh, on the implementation of event side and went into event technology companies, and then on two years later, only one of us still works uh, full-time for an event technology company, and that's sort of interesting. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I really want to see the, the young professionals who didn't have the ability to weather, you know, two years without as much income and left. And I really hopefully we get that those smart people back because that's that was one of our biggest concerns as we talked over the years about the pandemic was this brain drain idea. I'm super interested in in which events have gone back and in in further like study of like I I know that our total meeting booking numbers in North America anyway have rebounded but I'm wondering which events those are because I know that for myself and a lot of people that I work with we haven't gone back and so I'm wondering who's filling that gap Um, and you know Nick you're talking about lanes and like my lane now is so different than it was previously and as, as somebody who was able to digitize and able to convert relatively quickly, what I really noticed in 2020 was that it was mostly the events industry that really wanted to go back. Mm-hmm. And, and, and particularly folks in roles that didn't translate or who didn't necessarily have the agency or the resources to reskill very quickly like we had to do. And I can tell you that like I... You know, I've always had a love-hate relationship with events, but it truly has been going through this that has made me see that conferences, you know, which is the lane that I'm in today, were never good enough. So I won't go back. Mm-hmm. The conferences, particularly academic and high-level business conferences, are elite as all hell. Let's just say that. Like, mm-hmm. it's a $700 ticket. It requires me to be able to not be caring for elders or kids so that I can go spend a full day in that environment. Um, it requires that my employer sponsor this experience for me. And, you know, and for the conference that I currently produce, a lot of our uh, attendee tickets have always been um, expensed. And we're looking at folks now working from home and budgets being cut and and really like the, the entire work world has changed. Mm-hmm. So I think naturally events are going to evolve. And I think there's quite a few of us who aren't willing to go back because it wasn't good enough in terms of diversity, accessibility, in terms of who we could represent on our stages. I've been able to to reach entirely new levels of speaker diversity, of moderator diversity, because we're no longer asking folks to fund their own travel. Mm-hmm. They're able to participate from anywhere. And for me, that is so important that until I understand how to go back on site without losing some of these things that we've gained, particularly for speakers, I, I don't know that I want to. That's, that's we, super interesting. We definitely talked a lot about the events that should just stay online forever. And I think that, that this disruption broke the tradition of events happening 
whether they were good, bad, or, or otherwise. And I think our hope was when we went, if you go back in time, our hope was is that those events that needed to evolve, it was going to push them to start that 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 evolution. And um, and I think and I think to your point, I think it's interesting that that you know we it's going to be tough for live events to compete with what we can accomplish online when it comes to um, speaker accessibility and when it comes to making events truly accessible. And when you said that conferences are for the elite, like you're so right. They really are They're, And it's actually gotten worse. Like I think like everything that I've seen, the prices have just gone through the roof. Travel prices have gone through the roof. I'm, I'm going to TSE. My flights to get to TSE and back the special event show is $2,000 to fly to Orlando and back to my home. My That's tickets, my, my, like my package or whatever it is to go to TSC's $1,400 US. I live in Canada, so add 40% exchange rate. Hotels are $225 a night under the, you know, that's US dollars plus taxes plus everything else. That's probably $325 a night Canadian. Like, like, like that is just mind boggling amount of money. And normally I would take a bunch of people from my team. This is the one that they all want to go to. And I was like, I, there's no way, there's no way. Like that is just an insane amount of money. And like, I don't, I'm not going to talk about the value or the quality of the event, all that stuff aside. It's like, there's a certain limit to what, what we can do. So something that I think to your point, it was already not overly accessible to everybody has just gotten worse. And I've seen that with our industry events and then also with, with clients and, and with the, the rising price of everything, everybody trying to recoup their losses with attendance being down. It's just, holy moly. It's a, it's a whole nother mess out there when it comes to the cost of actually attending. Look at, Look at concert ticket prices. Everything that's going on in the news with Ticketmaster and resale, and like, oh, the whole, just it's crazy. There, there's the part elite. of me that thinks that what we we're seeing, like in this report, where it's saying, you know, like numbers are up, everything's back to normal. Part of it is the excitement and energy of like kind of the the rubber band coming back, you know, in some ways. But in reality, like now that you're saying this, like the fact that it's going to cost you $2,000 to fly Orlando. That's insane. I literally could go to Ireland twice with that money, with, right? With like, a stopover, just so you know, with a stopover to not even direct, like insane. Like I feeling that more and more that's going to happen. It's going to cost people to not then attend events. And that's what I feel like is going to make it then kind of potentially we see like a surge. And then now it's going to kind of come back and calm down to reality in some ways. I could be wrong and more and more people can become more comfortable going to events and that will replace the amount of knee jerk reaction that happens from the rising costs and stuff. But Mm -hmm. I, 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 part of me feels like what we're feeling right now is still the energy of, I got to get back in person. I got to be back in person. But in reality, it's that people are going to go back in person and feel, eh, did I really need Mm -hmm. to? Yeah. Yeah. I went to C2 Montreal and as you know, and anybody that's listened to this podcast for a long time knows that it is like, that is where the the sun rises and the the sun sets and it's such an incredible conference and i went to it this year because i went under the guise that i was going back to something that was really incredible and everything had changed and i like i was thinking about the podcast we recorded i thought oh my god i've told so many people to come to this conference and it was so different and i don't want to say like i don't i don't want to shit on it but it was not the same. It was not the same energy at all. It was completely, completely different. And I think they oh, really failed in telling attendees how much it would change, especially returning attendees that 
yeah, I didn't go on their website and read every little thing that was going on. And I just, I thought I was going back to C2, the C2 that I thought was so amazing. You didn't realize so it was going to be like a citywide like, integrated this event. Is, this is a diet version of what I'm used to. And I brought people with me and I encouraged so many people to go. And I was like, oh, fuck, this is not what I expected this to be at all. It's interesting. We did an episode where I interviewed Annick and she talked about what was before C2 and then we're doing an episode afterwards to talk about like wh- how it changed and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'll be curious. Obviously it's going to be from their perspective. Maybe I have to bring Dustin on as a there's co-host. Incredible, there's still incredible value there. It's just not the experiential event that I go there for. It's mm. not the like, it's not, you know, Montreal and, and those producers putting together something that is truly spectacular that you'll remember forever. It just wasn't Mm. that the content was still great. It just like, it just, it was missing that piece that made it so fucking cool. And I wasn't prepared for that to be missing. So I was just like, Oh, Jesus Christ. I I could have done this online for sure. Yeah. I did it online. The, 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 that, that, that year. So like I, I actually stayed home when you went to that one and, and watched it online, and it was okay. It was content, you know. It's pretty much what mm-hmm. I got out of it, uh, which is not my expectation of anything with the word C two on it. Uh, I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago with uh, Brutus from Braindate, and he told me that they they've been you know Braindate's been intimately involved in that show mm-hmm. from the beginning, and they said that like they're very aware of the limitations and such from the, the last year for sure and then the previous year definitely uh and that they their expectations for 2023 are to be like a complete return to form with oh, uh, n- no like half measures uh so uh you know i think a lot of 2023 shows are going to be like there's really like and i guess that that's really what this report is about and what this conversation is about is like the the kind of like excuse slash you know and an excuse not ne- negatively but like an actual excuse for, mm-hmm. for things to be what they were, I think for the most part now, be it, you know, things going back or not, like the excuses are gone, right? So like whatever your mm-hmm. show is this year is your show. Uh, and mm-hmm. CES is a good example of that. So like CES was purported to be kind of like a return to form last year of it being away, but then Omicron variants came out again and all that stuff and it sort of diminished it. So this one just took place a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and uh, 2020, uh, which is January 2020 is prior to COVID in uh, North America, uh, 170,000 attendees. Uh, this year was down 40,000 of that at, you know, at wow. the highest number being 130,000. So like, that's that show. And right? what's their so, normal like, is 170? 170 was where they were at at, wow. tw- at 2020. So, I mean, as far, like there was no, like there's no one not attending that show because they were worried about being sick. I shouldn't say no one, but statistically a relevant number of people. It was, my habits are broken. I'm reevaluating what I'm doing. I've acquired new uh, ways to uh, think about content and think about attendance, and I'm choosing not to go. That's mm-hmm. that's the new normal. The new normal isn't 170. It's 130. And for them to get to 170, they have to break the new normal. So maybe everyone has to feel the pain of going back and running your show exactly the way you did in 2020, mm-hmm. 2019, whatever it is. For them to have that moment where they actually do make the changes because like what i was saying earlier about my pessimistic viewpoint is is that i've attended events for the last year and they were identical to 2019 no difference mm. nothing learned it, mm-hmm. in my experiences um poultry a uh, synchronous uh, uh opportunities for virtual uh certainly not well designed not intended with that being as good as an experience as the people on site, you know, and an afterthought just as they were prior to the pandemic with as many new technologies that we have, new skills that we should have learned. I did not see them applied. Uh, and this is 
primarily in the events industry, uh, which you would argue would be better at these things. Um, and I have a lot of feelings as to why that is. Some of the things I hadn't even considered that, that Dustin said as far as the emotional feeling of the security of running back in 2019 is interesting. I look at things pretty objectively and not that emotionally. And that's another layer that I think is a, is, is a good devil's advocacy position to have and probably real. Uh, the other element of it of that that's uh, that's coming to mind that you know you made me think about was the fact that um, not only is it like quote unquote comfortable, uh, but it's also like uh, they they have not. I would imagine most teams are not at full capacity. So mm-hmm. like even going back to 2019, um, I, I don't think anyone has more um, assets in play. Uh, it's either the same or less and that's interesting because like my central thesis around learning and new technologies and post pandemic is if you have to do 1.5 this is my sentence if you have to do 1.5 times as much work to get two times results you won't do it Mm -hmm. that's my feeling like if i tell you this is going to take a little bit more work but you're going to get lots more out of it the answer is Mm -hmm. i don't have any more to give Mm-hmm. No one's got like any yeah. energy to give. <laughs> no, you know, so like, no. like out of the pandemic, it, it was, you know, there wasn't a lot of organizations saying like, okay, we missed events so much. We're going to give you more tools to do this right this time. It was, let's, let's ease into this and see if this is still real. And that means mm-hmm. less, you know, uh, less everything, uh, which means more stress and, and then all that rush back. Uh, and then, and it comes to anyone who's not in house, you know, if you're third party, you're thinking, all right, I know for a fact this could all go away. I've experienced that. So if you bring me something and it's not my center center target of what I love to do, I'm going to do it anyway because I, I know what it looks like to have it all disappear. Like this, I, I know I'm not on such solid ground for long enough that I can say no to business. And like saying no to business was what we were preaching the last five years of what will probably be considered the golden years of, you know, uh, the event world and that's what we were preaching to each other we were all like you know smoking cigars and sipping you know on on fine ports saying like ah just say no to the business that you know you don't need it's not for you it's you know like they're cheapskates they're lower in the all that stuff right and then it was two years of just like i'll I'll take anything like again like i keep thinking of linen companies making facebook like that's like that's my perfect example of like I didn't get into this business to do that, but I'm literally building anything with whatever I have to do this. Mm-hmm. I mean, actually, Dustin, you have some pretty good examples of like pivoting mm-hmm. to use your skills based in a world that is a pandemic world. Right. So mm-hmm. um, it's uh, all that grain of salt. I just I also think that like it's uh, it's it's just it, it wish I wish I wish that some of the bigger lessons that were learned that don't take more work still could be applied. And like Ariana said a lot of them and it really is the DEI stuff. Like Mm -hmm. last year I spoke at less conferences than I've ever spoke at. And I've been preaching to, to, to the planners of the world to not choose me for years, you know, and like not just me, but like using myself as an example, I even did that at PCMA. I'm like, Hey, if you all do our jobs, right. You won't see me as much because Mm -hmm. I've been at every show a million times. So like, that's actually a problem. Uh, and the fact that like I was asked to come and speak like two weeks before the event, <laughs> like there's other people out there. I literally my presentation was how to use like AI and social listening to find new voices. 
uh, and, and not have to rely on the same old ones. That's not a like an extra work, you know, uh, problem, right? Like that's not a like we well, can Well, like you that. said it, it's design. Like it's it's design. design is the missing piece. And while, you know, when we were at that point where event tech was multiplying like triples, like you can have all of the fancy tools in the world. But if your event is not designed with intention, mm-hmm. if it's not thinking through the attendee experience from start to finish, and if you're not working your personas and understanding how people are approaching your event, what they want to get out of it, and and how they prefer to interact with it, then you're not you're not doing your attendees justice. And I, I think intentionality, because we were all just trying to scrap it together. So those days are over, is my argument, is like though the days of pandemic event of just put something on, just create a show, that's gotta be over, because everybody's over it. But like we, have, we haven't even seen the beginning of the best of what a true online networking experience can be. I mean, we're, because again, it's, it's, we're creating new behaviors. And there is a comfort in going back on site. People know how to meet other people at physical events. You walk in, you stand in line next for coffee next to someone, and you, you say something insightful or funny. And now you have started a conversation. And, and it's been really interesting to me how we haven't had a move towards educating attendees in the in the digital event space about how to be a human online. I mean, this is very mm-hmm. hard for people, you know, because they revert to sort of that YouTube comments mentality. And it's like, no, these are real life humans in the container with you, particularly if you're using one of the containers that's really conducive to, you know, initiating one-on-one call, joining a group round table. Like, these are real humans here, but we need to teach the attendee mm-hmm. how to engage in that digital space, and that's a ton of work. It's Ariana, a ton of work. Do you think? Do you think that some of this is slowed because a vast majority of professionals <clears throat> and a big majority of those who have a voice are in the live in person space? And all it's the execs want to go back on stage. Of course, not, they want to go back. It's not in their best interest to continue this. So all those people that were essentially put out of work, they're not they're not fighting for this new world. They're fighting to go back to where they they're were. not fighting for it because there's so much of the event industry that still wants to, you know, drop some electrical cords and shove a pallet from one place to another. I love me a good another. power drop. Don't you get on me about that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, as long as it's 10 amps, we're okay. But <laughs> but I think also a lot of the leadership that are making decisions around this are the folks that at these events are rock stars. Mm-hmm. It's you know, if I'm going to be yeah. the VIP, if I get to intro someone on stage, if, if this is all, you know, this uh, company paid experience for me as an executive, you know, then of mm-hmm. course I'm not thinking about the attendee who's doing elder care and also watching the neighbor's kid because everybody is working remotely still. And I think there's just no argument to be made, you know, oh, people can't network online. I got to call bullshit because like if we can collaborate you know, on work teams, if we can onboard remotely on work teams, then we can certainly meet new humans in the space of an event container when it's done with intention and when there's a huge amount of focus into pre-educating the attendee mm-hmm. on on how to engage in this container. And that, and yeah, it takes a lot of resources mm-hmm. and it takes a lot of thinking about it. And Ariana, I think it's the, 
stop trying to cram the event we used to have into this online space, which is where that's you know huge. that's 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 what we were trying to do all the way through COVID. Is we were saying, oh, our our signature conference that usually happens in this great lavish space in this this wonderful hotel with all the things and the speakers and Beyonce comes out and blah blah blah. blah. We're going to now do that online. We're going to try and match that experience, and that was the goal, and that never worked. It didn't work during COVID. It's not going to work now, and that's where I think a lot of that pushback towards that is and and where we need to be today is how do we create new net new things that are new opportunities that are designed with intention and not just taking from what we were doing before well that's where like you have to you have to start rewarding those who do in that point too like i think if for a lot of these events you know the ones that are retreating back to exactly the way we did things before are going to start to get the attention, I think, in the same ways because people are going to be like, oh, I missed this. Oh, my gosh. But in reality, like, you know, to, I, I guess, like, to part of it, like, for example, like C2, like you said, you didn't like the way it was, but mm-hmm. maybe they're trying to move towards a new model that, you know, is a part of this new world and they're pushing an envelope. And, like, I think we might need to, like, you know, applaud those who maybe are trying to do slightly different things or really different 100. things. 100%. My, and just to be clear, because I love C2, my comments about C2 were about my expectations <laughs> and about how I completely must have missed that it was not what I was expecting it to be. And that that was the only comment. But you didn't hear it's I, not at C2 Montreal or C2 Toronto. You're in the wrong city, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that basically that's that that is what it what it what it felt like for sure. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. There's work to be done. One of the things La- I, I do. I'm sorry. I just wanted to say one of the things I really think we have to to learn in moving forward in designing what that future looks like is folks like me, we got very, very used to the accessibility of being able to ask questions to the speakers, to the Mm -hmm. thought leaders, to the experts because we showed up. Right. In 2019, I didn't have a first row seat. I didn't have a VIP pass. My chances of getting into the exclusive Q&A with the speaker were very low. Mm-hmm. In 2020, because it was two in the morning and I showed up at the event on my Peloton and, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I show up and I, I asked the question in chat that sounded interesting. So I was selected to interact mm-hmm. and, and the ability to, to touch the thought leaders in a new way and to co-create content is I think that's something that like, I, I don't want to ever be talked at again. I want to speak with. And online events, we really created these spaces for speaking and conversing with and for engaging with the content in live time. And, and I think that's something we need to be thinking about for all of my folks that are planning events on site already is like, where are you creating these spaces for attendees to weigh in you know uh, we all got very excited about polls there's a lot of polling the audience happening at one point and word clouds and blah 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 but the end of the day it's like allowing attendees to help shape the experience that is then reflected back to them on the stage that's a big deal i mean and, and i think that what what we had is some of that because the, it was real time and we had to adjust accordingly in, in a digital world uh, and what had been and what is seemingly restarted is a world of uh, people who are cheerleaders for coming together uh, and in a hotel space designing for more people like them. So mm-hmm. what you get is like unconscious bias towards um, the, the types of people who like to engage the way that the people who plan it like to engage, coupled with uh, like the, the fact that, that these events are designed exclusively 
for the middle you know I, I, there's an elite yes uh, i suppose i mean th- there is if you call it that or like what there is really is there's a very narrow personas that are targeted because those those reflect the people who are planning them too much and not the whole of uh the community that they could be serving and like uh, the biggest limitation i've seen in the adoption of a virtual uh in in addition to live events is the fact that live events aim at people who um, are worth investing in from, uh, from an organizational perspective as they define it uh, and not busy enough that they can't disrupt their whole business. So what do you get? You get the people who need mm-hmm. the networking the most, the people early in their careers who aren't worth investing in, not attending. And then you get the C-suite of the, the, the like really big players, uh, veteran seasoned people who have the most to give, not attending either. So who do you get? You get middle management, sales, and everyone who has the time uh, to be the same people. So like there was people at, at convening leaders that I saw who ha- had, I don't know, three or four different positions in, in competitive companies uh, that, that, uh, that I've known. And I just have to ask them like where they're at today. Uh, but they'll be at it. The next job they have, they'll be at that show. The next job they have be at that show. I mean, four or five different individuals I can think of off the top of my head that have literally been there, including myself, for a bunch of different uh, concerns that they were the ones selected to be there. So like that organization, you know, immediately adopts the same people, uh, and just shifts the, the names around and it's the same people attending it. Like what a miss. Like it's mm-hmm. that like struck me as like, wait, you're in a new company and they still send you just you. Mm-hmm. And, and it's because like we, that's, they just fit within the lines of like, this is who we send, right? If I come on to a different company, I'll be the one sent to the event. I know that. You know, and then once I get there, I'll, I can't go 10 feet without seeing a mi- million people I know who all, have all worked at different companies. I've known them throughout their careers. That represents such a stagnation in attendance and like such a design flaw that you're aiming it at the middle. Because what you do, what you don't see is that like there's not growth. But what there is, is there's when there's not growth, there's always decline. So you're declining, you know, in, in your ability to do it. And there's no fresh voices. Like it's, it's this person up on stage who used to work for them when he was on stage the year before and over and over again, it's this like incestuous loop uh, of, of sameness. Right. And and like, to me in in a show, I was at a couple weeks ago coming away with that impression after this, you know, uh, prognosis that we're, you know, it's a new era. Uh, I'm like, no, it isn't, you know? And, and like, I see virtual events, uh, as a way to, uh, and anything digital, as a way to aim it at those people who could be part of our community, could have a voice, and we could discover those people and we could incentivize them to come to our live events after they've attended three virtual ones if, that, if our goal only isn't necessarily to serve them where they want, but actually because we want them to come to live events because that's what we like, which I still think is a flawed <laughs> way to look at it, but I think that's the only way I can reach planners is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, th- this virtual event will get your, your people eventually to come to your live event, you know, which it will. But like we don't see this as serving a community. We, ser- we see it as uh, making sure that the same people come to our shows year after year. And it's, it's just a wild uh, miss uh, when it comes to uh, our, what, what we say our goals are. You know, we say our goals are to make a difference and to create change. But how do you create change with the same people talking to the same people year after year? Like mm-hmm. it's not change. It's just patting you on the back. Everything's great. You know, like lip service to, to, to new opportunities, but no, you know, anything, you know, no ground movement because you're not, no one's hearing it who hasn't already heard it. Uh, and, and no one's talking about it who hasn't already said it. 
So that's my pessimism coming through. There, there's an opportunity there. I, I think that is, <laughs> yeah. it's not hard. <laughs> I'm just telling everybody, like, it, just design I, things differently. Like, just design differently, but hold change. on to the hold on to the gains too. Like, hold on yeah. to the gains. I've had so many speakers say, you know, this is this was the impact of my career from speaking at your event. I then got this offer. My company was sold. We went public, and and it's. And then I hear in the next breath, I would not have been able to come in person. I was traveling yeah. between this and this. I was able to come and the exposure let me do this other thing. And and if we are still keeping events, like for me, like we're, we're a San Francisco-based crowd. Tech is San Francisco. It is what it is. You know, there's a little sprinkle in these other places. But like the conference had has really always had a Bay Area bias. And it is so fulfilling to now see that we're reaching a global audience. We're able to bring in global speakers and and increase the diversity of views that we're showing on, on stage, which is like these are the conversations that I think are so critical to to – continuing is like how do we use events for good in each of our respected you know lanes what what is it that what is it that you learned in those last few years you know and I'm speaking to everybody who's out there thinking about their next event but like what did you learn what did you capture that you're just not willing to compromise by anything that even reeks of going back like what are you carrying forward and and I can just say for myself until I am able to honor the increases in speaker diversity and attendee diversity, and also able to, our scholar program expanded from 50 passes to 500. Mm -hmm. So I'm not personally going back on site until I can offer 500 on-site scholarships. Hmm. Wow. Damn, you heard it here. <laughs> I mean, it's a different thing. It's a, you yeah, know, it's, it's a it doesn't have to be an either or. It doesn't have to. Like an on-site conference, you're deciding what to miss. When you plan your agenda, you're deciding what to miss. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that we've had two years to, to really, like, come up with all the things that we think uh, virtual events are uh, lacking in. I mean, now that I've gone back to a bunch of live events, now I feel like I know all the things that face-to-face -face events are lacking in. And, like, that it's it's not like one's better than the other but like one isn't right or perfect there's holes and making one be a digital equivalent of the other one just replicates the misses so like the virtual event aimed at the exact same crowd is is unnecessary and unimaginative and will have poor results and then those poor results and unima you know unimaginative designs are self-fulfilling prophecies so like you get this thing of like oh we aimed it at the same people but those people didn't want to go as if like anything persona based would tell you that that things like that would work like that so like we we aim it at the same people but we also do it in the same way like the limits of live events to me are they're, they're so profound now that i've had two years of, of like so many virtual events like when i was like in a state i'm like wait a minute i have to wake up super early in order to get like a bunch of different things in my head and like I forgot the thing that I went to for um four sessions ago like the main thing I really wanted to like remember how to do and like the people I met like I don't have like a really clear like memory of like how to contact those people or whatever like there was someone next to that person like all those things right and then we plan the virtual event identically and we, we shotgun like 15 different presentations in three, you know, three days or two days or one day or whatever like that, as opposed to like saying like, why isn't it two hours a day for like 10 days? You know, like you learn something, you learn one big idea that day and then you have the rest of the day to implement it. And then you come back and you talk about how you did that. Like there's no reason you couldn't do that virtually and you absolutely can't do that in face to face. 
So why are we doing things that can be done, you know, in the other one? Uh, and, and why are we aiming them at the same people? Like it should be the absolute opposite of that. Like things you can only do in the one venue. That's where you do it. And uh, and the people that you would want to target who wouldn't attend the other is who your goal is to achieve with that one. That's that's it. But it's it's not. It's just this like synchronous extra labor of like a half you know result and it's uh it's made virtual it's it's basically soured everyone from virtual events is because they did them without design and they did them just to do them mike drop always i can't i'm having it to my table <laughs> I, I missed you oh. nick I haven't heard yeah, from I like you in to, so long. Now, now I'll get to write in uh, in myself in a quiet room for three days, and I, and I get all this stuff <laughs> out of me. Mountain Dew adds up. It really does. What do you think, kids? I love these conversations. These are the conversations that I want to be having. I, um, I'm super interested in what everyone out there listening wants to hear about and, and what you're thinking about you've learned from from the last few years that you want to fight to, to maintain. So let us know at eventbrew at helloendless.com. We want to hear what lessons you learned in you know the last couple of years that you want to carry forward and, and anything else you're thinking about events. I mean, that's what we do. We sit here, we talk about events. That's yeah. pretty much all I do. Yeah. Except for Will. Will was very quiet today. I'm very quiet because I think you guys are dropping knowledge bombs and I'm not getting in the way of those bombs for sure. <laughs> well, we're, we're enjoying the lobbing the, right? the knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I'm like, Do you want me to play the outro? Do you want, are we, we good? We, we rock and rolling? I think we've rocked this. I think we've done it. All right. Thank you guys for the awesome episode, Great seeing y'all. Thanks again for listening to Event Brew. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to head over to eventbrew.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. Ask a follow-up question or tell us what topics you want to hear covered. See you next time on Event Brew. Event Brew.